That don't go anywhere. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with the chicken. Move me! To the end zone. Touchdown, Louisiana. Johnny Lumpkin with his second touchdown catch of the night. And the Cajuns have put this one away. It's 23-7. to You know how the offensive linemen always lift the guy after he, he scores? Nobody's lifting Johnny. I mean, you know, they ought to be lifting the big man. Big man lifts the big man. Get a little vertical. Pick Johnny up. He scored us twice, Bird. He deserves to be lifted. And he's off. That was Jay Walker and Gerald Broussard on the call from Saturday's Raging Cajun football game. Gerald Broussard, as he does on Wednesdays during football season, joins me now from Parts Unknown. Good morning, G. Who's the heaviest player you ever lifted when you played? <laughs> well, we, we had a guy, we had two two guys when I was playing that were really thick. R.C. Mullen, who ended up playing for a while, who was my backup. We call him Big City. And uh, and then had another guy from from Bray, Oklahoma, named Bart Latham, and and, and Bart, who since passed, uh, you know, rest in peace, old Bart. I saw him a few years back, and he's still a peach or was a peach, but uh, Bart was Bart could chug beer standing on his head, and uh, now he he didn't always get up real good after he was done with it, and so a couple times I thought I'd slip the desk trying to get the big man up off the turf. He was about three sixty. But he didn't offer any assistance with the little, you know, the little jump. And I thought, I, I really did. I was when he scored. I'm thinking, oh, now somebody's got to go pick him up. But you know, you don't have Osiris in there, who, who, who you know, 360 pounds to go lift him. Uh, I really wanted Dirty Dave, Dave Hudson, to show a little extra explosiveness with his 265 pounds and go pick the big man up. But but nobody did. I was disappointed. He. On his first touchdown, though, he got lifted. So I, maybe it's just late in the game, you know, tired legs, cramping week one. I don't know. But, you know, or maybe they just were like, look, last time we lifted him, he just he never stopped talking and giving us grief that we didn't lift him high enough. Seems like it might be Johnny's fault somehow, you know, since he's a Falcons fan. That's what I'm rolling with. Yeah, I, no, no excuse. No excuse. I mean, you score, you celebrate them all as if they're your only one to ever have. And, and, and you got to pick him up. I still think about Jerron Odom picking up Brent Bear after he would kick an extra point or a field goal. And I was just thinking, I'd think the whole time, just don't drop him. You know, because Jerron was big, really, really big. And when he picked Brett up, he'd get, I mean, just super high. And, um, you know, I'm thinking the practice makes perfect. The more Johnny scores, you know, uh, the better they'll get at it. And I look forward to more lifting in the future. You being a former offensive lineman, um, Coach Ed Ogeron, a former offensive lineman. Most folks don't know him from his old line days at Northwestern State. They know him because he's Coach O. And, you know, all of his years of coaching 
and his time um, most recently at LSU, the way it ended. But did you did you happen to catch what Coach O said at the uh, the Little Rock Touchdown Club yesterday? Yeah, I, I heard what All he right. said. In fact, he, he let, said let's, the exact... let's play the clip real quick, and then I want to get your thoughts. Let's play it real quick. Okay. I'm so grateful of my time, fellas, you. That was my opportunity. You know, coaches got a shelf. Some coaches got 50 years. Some coaches got 12. Mine was six. Good. I got to tell you, we had a meeting. Okay, coach, things are not going well. No shit, Ray Charles can see that, brother. <laughs> and there we go. And Scott Woodward is a friend of mine that I really, really, a lot of respect for the way they handled me. So and what's I, next? Well, well I got to tell, tell you this, though. Say, Coach, you got $17.1 million on your contract. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> I said, what time do you want me to leave? What door do you want me out of, brother? <laughs> Your thoughts, G? Yeah, well, I saw I saw uh, Ed at the at the screen. Ed was actually a defensive lineman too. Scott he played D tackle. My bad. And, uh, Why we, did I think he was we an O lineman? I, I, that's my fault. My fault. All right, he was a D lineman. It's, it's all good. Yeah, he, he uh, Ed and I were in the high school all star game back when they used to have the the Louisiana State high school all star game, and we we were on the teammates. In the summer of 1979, and so been knowing him since, and, and uh, yeah, and so he had signed with LSU and then transferred to Northwestern and stuff. And we we've seen each other a few times, had a lot of talks, had a lot of good times, uh, just visiting. So I saw him at the scrimmage, the first scrimmage for the Cajuns. You know, his son is, right. is an analyst there, one of the boys, and he told me verbatim, word for word, that same story. And so I know he's been practicing it for all of his, his speaking engagements that he's having. But, uh, you know, and then he went went on with it. And he, you know, G-Man, he said one thing they can't take. And he pulls his money clip out. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to show me his, his, all, all his cash. But on the money clip, it said uh, 15-0 national champs. And I told him, I said, you know, Bebe, you're right. You earned that. They can't take that from you. <laughs> but he's hanging out on the, on the beach in Miami or somewhere in Miami, living down there with his new girlfriend. And uh, yeah. And when I when I heard the clip, I'm thinking, okay, he's been practicing. He, you know, you look at Coach O. He wins a national championship as the head coach at LSU, which is his home state, for a team, Gerald, that is arguably the best ever, one of the best ever. And yeah, it 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 went downhill after that really quick. But it wasn't that long ago. I mean, people are going to remember most about his tenure is that team. And you know, now he just gets. Uh, what time you want me to leave? And what do you want me to get out, brother? You know, and like you said, he practiced it. Now he's just being like, "Yeah, I I'm good." I mean, I feel like a lot of coaches. That, that, you know, I mean, and you're a former coach. Maybe you can speak on this certainly better than me. But I've seen head coaches get fired at schools that have, you know, sizable buyouts. Maybe not one that big, but, you know, it's pretty big buyouts. And, like, they, I mean, they just, they, they can't stay away. They, they, they either try to get a, another job right away or an assistant job, or they go to Alabama and they, you know, they grab one of the, however many extra jobs where they can't technically put, you know, coach on the title, but analyst, staff, or whatever. I mean, Saban does that a lot 
where he like, you know, I mean, Doug Marone, who's now with the Saints, he did that briefly with Saban. Seems like they'll go do that because it's kind of that fraternity. And Coach O's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm appreciative of my time. I did the 15 and 0. I got this money. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good in a weird way. He's, it seems like what he's doing actually makes a lot of sense. It seems like what a lot of you know normal people would do, but that's not something I think a lot of head coaches would do because recent history has shown me otherwise. Well, I don't know, and and, and I'll say this: I I don't know that he's done coaching. I, I think that in just watching him when when he was at the scrimmage, and I was talking with some people about it. Now, I was at the scrimmage for a totally different reason. I was trying to get some numbers and trying to put some stuff together to to prepare me for what I do during the fall. He was just out there being a dad, and he couldn't be a dad. I mean, he was around the, around the defensive line. He was talking with the guys in between their pass rush reps. Uh, he was just watching them and stuff, and he was in the middle of the field. And I'm thinking somebody needs to tell Ed he, he, he don't have a whistle. You know, because, uh, I mean, it's just what happens is, Scott, is you, you put 30 years of your life into it, 35, 40 years of your life into it, and now all of a sudden you, you walk away, and there's nothing to do. You can have all the money you want, but look, and, and, and compensation is, is nice, and you've, everybody's got to be compensation compensated for the work they do. But but that you know, when when we got into coaching, and I said we people of Ed and Maya's age, you know, there was there wasn't any money involved. I mean, my my first job when I left USL, I was when I, I was a graduate assistant at USL, making less than two hundred fifty bucks a month as a GA, and I didn't have any other compensation for. That I didn't have a meal ticket or anything, uh, and I I don't know how I got by. I went to Livingston as a graduate assistant, making one hundred and one dollars and one cents a month. I lived in government subsidized housing, and the government paid me, and uh, and and I had a meal ticket and stuff like that. And and, and um, you know, it's just that you, you got into it because you wanted to coach. And then after thirty years of doing it, or thirty five years, not many people will do, or or, or everybody says that they they want to do what I did and get out. Out. And look, it's hard. It's hard. I, I, I still know guys that they, that have gotten out and, and they put coach on their business card as, as a salesperson because that's what they know themselves as, as a coach. You know, I, I, people call me coach around the office because of my, my affiliation with, with what I do broadcast-wise. And it's also because, you know, to be honest, Scott, I'm in an office where I recruited some of the guys, uh, you know, Big Kate Como, who played it at LSU, Kyle, his brother, who went to Nichols and, and, and stuff, and then Britt Broadhead, who who, who played for us in Magnese. Uh, I work with those guys at Deepwell Equipment Rentals. And, and so, you know, being called coach around there, as opposed to Mr. Gerald, you know, they, they now they do call me that too, but, but uh, you know, for the most part, it, it, it's a term of endearment that we take, but it's it's hard. And, and I could see it, not, not this year, and I don't know, you know, I know you, you see some of the guys go into the media. And, look, I would love to hear Ed on a regular basis on some kind of a show. I just think he's got personality. He's got some, some, some communication skills. He's got a voice that's unique. And I don't say it's a bad boy. I think it's a, it, he, he's a swamp monster, which is cool. And, look, I know I, I tell people all the time about my voice. I know I don't, I've, I don't have a voice for it. I know that. But, but it's acquired, and people seem to be okay with it down here. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I think Ed would be somebody that I would love to listen to and get his, his, his thoughts on, on a lot of stuff. Uh, but you know, is he as polished or whatever? Well, no, you know, that's and, the point, and, that, right? That's, that's why it would point. work. Yeah. But I, I also think there's an element to him 
and, and Gerald, you know him personally. Like he's he gets the media side of it and how people react to everything he says, but he kind of plays dumb, like almost on purpose, <laughs> you know? I mean, yep. Terry Bradshaw's the master of it, but you know, even someone like T- Troy Landry from like Swamp People, you know, like they they're 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 smart and they get what they're doing, but they act like, oh no, that's just that's just how I am. You know what I mean? And he's definitely got that about him. No doubt. Like you said, yeah, he was he, working he, on he was working on his content on you before he went and said it at, at the at the touchdown club in Little Rock. Yeah, he ain't dumb now. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I know. He ain't dumb. He's he, he he is he's and he he's worked super hard as a coach. He's put in a lot of hours, you know, and and and, and Earned it, and and I I think that that's what happens, Scott. As you get into it, you look at it, and you 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 know, look, we've all got egos, and and then you know the the ego of being called coach. That you know some of the, the jobs, the best jobs in the world, are, are the local head coach or the local assistant coach, where everybody where everything's going good. But it can also be the worst. You know, you can ask Julie about it, and 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 uh, you know the, the coach's wife's life is is awesome when things are going good, but Scott, it sucks when they don't. And, uh, and, and, and they feel it and hear it, you know, coaches, we, we always got to insulate ourselves in the building. Our families don't, they still got to go shop and they got to go to, you know, to Walmart and Adrian's and Whole Foods and stuff like that. And they see people and, and they hear it and uh, your kids got to go to school. But, uh, you know, right now things are good around here and, you know, things were good for Ed. Uh, but, you know, his wife lived in Mandeville and she didn't live in Baton Rouge. And, uh, you know, that, that, you know, but, but those kind of things, you know, with him, I, I, I going all the way back to it, I wouldn't be shocked in a year or so if you don't find him doing something involved in the I hope it's media. I really do hope it's media related. And we talked about that. Uh, but, you know, some guys that, that just, the comfort of the field and the comfort of the building is hard for them to get give up because dude, when you get out of it, you know, you're a rookie now. I was a rookie. I got into to the all field and, you know, people were looking at me, calling me stupid and dumb. And I can't believe you don't know what a jar is or you don't know what side tracking is and all this stuff. I said, well, you know what his own blitz is? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but it's hard to humble yourself. <laughs> you know what a fat lip is? You're about to. Um, speaking of, uh, of locals, coaches. It's a new era. A true son of the University of Louisiana. Our head football coach, Mike Desimo. Coach Desimo and the Cajuns extend the win streak. G, you called it. You know, we opened up talking a little bit about, you know, Johnny Lumpkin's touchdown and and celebratory um, uh, protocol, uh, from your mind anyway, as a former old lineman. But um, overall, what stood out to you most about game one? Well, I was pleased, very pleased with how clean and crisp everything went early in the game. I, I, I really was. I think that, you know, it would have hard to imagine a better start. Uh, you know, moving the football offensively, making plays in all three phases of the game, uh, you know, and, and, and everything was going well and, and seemed to be really crisp and going good. Uh, you know, they had a good rotation in there, getting a lot of people involved. Uh, I saw what I saw defensively, and it's what I expected to see, guys running, making tackles, uh, showing a lot of speed. Uh, and, and, and those kind of things were good. Like what I saw in the kicking game with, with Leo on his kickoffs, and and then made a couple of kicks on the extra point and stuff with the chains there, which I was, be honest, Scott, I, I was a little surprised with because I thought Kenny, 
uh, Amadaris was was going to be the guy, but yep. with Preston Stafford getting the kicks, you know, he, he did it early. Um, so that was I just it couldn't have I couldn't have imagined a better start. When Jay and I were talking during the game, I, we kind of said, you know, blah 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 blah, and that was good, and blah 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 blah, and that was good, and blah 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 blah, and that was good. Everything seemed to be good. It came to kind of a screeching halt there towards the end of the half when they didn't convert on fourth down. But uh, the start of it, and I think you've got a lot to continue with, that that was really good. Yeah, the, the, they kind of hit that lull. And, um, you know, it, after that, it was just hard to get the, the offense back rolling. And then late, you know, after the D. I think, look, being plus two in turnovers, that's huge. And that was such a key to their success a season ago. Um, as a former old lineman and coach, what were your? Th- how would you grade the the run blocking in game one? Uh, I think the inside push was not what it needs to be, and then not what I hope it will be in there. I think you've got to do better, and they're going to do have to do better uh, being able to just control the inside part of the running game. If you want to get physical with it, and there are different ways to do it, you can do it with the zone scheme where you're doing some some play side movement and double teams and chipping up to second level, or you can do it with, with a, what's called a gap scheme, whereas you're going to block down with two people to double team and go backside and then have somebody pulling from the opposite side just to try and force movement up inside. Uh, I, I think that they, you know, for the most part, I, I thought that they, um, they struggled a little bit you know, handling some of the one-on-one stuff. And so that's going to need to improve because you will see better defensive lines. Now, Southeastern's defensive line is comparable to some of them that you're going to see, but you're going to see better. We know that. Uh, So I I, I think that the physical part of it will need to improve. And when I say physical, just the, the, the big boy grunt girth knock people off the football. The movement stuff, the scheme stuff, the run, the outside run stuff, I thought was there. I think it will get better also as the season goes because I think that's what the Cajuns can do. I'm on both sides of football. Uh, and I think that if you, if, you, if you run at the Cajuns, you'll probably have a little bit better chance of run success just because, of, you know, if you're bigger and more physical and stuff like that, you can do that. If you try and run sideways on the Cajuns, you, you're probably going to struggle. Just because our second and third level guys can really run. Our first level guys tend to not get out leveraged. And what I mean by that is they stay outside when they're supposed to stay outside and they got help coming from their friends that can run. And so, uh, you know, the inside part of the run game, I think, uh, needs to, will need to improve as well as just some of the one on one protections as well. And some of that's on the line, some of it's not. Uh, but just the ability to throw the football when you need to throw the football, uh, you're going to have to be able to drop back and throw. You won't be able to just run naked uh, on third down. Gerald Broussard, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Cajuns win their 14th game in a row. Start the season 1-0, but 14-14. and I uh, talked about it uh, yesterday. Uh, Dr. Brian Maggard will be in to talk about it as well. But the flash sale happening $14 tickets, reserve tickets available right now. Um, you can read more about it over at ESPNLafayette.com, get the details. But uh, the 14-game win streak, longest active streak in the country, $14 tickets available right now until this Thursday at 6 p.m. The deal will end after that. But uh, if you're online, you can put the promo code in, WIN14, W-I-N-1-4, but uh, the Cajun on box office, avoid all those online fees, extended hours from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Game two coming up against Eastern Michigan. And 
you know, the way fans look at the game, Gerald, as you know, very different from how you look at it. Um, I think the the thing that I have been asked about the most or texted about the most uh, is the quarterbacks. And were you surprised at how they used it? And I said, I told them all, like, no. They said they were going to, he said he was going to play both. Uh, ben didn't play until late in the first half just by nature of Eric Guerra's return. It was only the third offensive series. And coach told me yesterday on the show that, he plans on giving Ben about two to three series a game. Um, it's, you know, he said the way it was the other night maybe isn't definitively, okay, every third series. Don't, don't, don't get these, you know, I guess ideas that that's exactly how it's going to be week to week. Uh, what, is that, like me, is that the thing you've been, I guess, asked about the most or what you find that fans are commenting on the most following game one just from a, a player standpoint? Yes, sir. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's that and, and the offensive line, and, and so. But but I, I was, uh, I mean, I anticipated going in that that uh, Coach Desmond was going to do that with the quarterback. So I was not surprised when I heard that he planned on doing that. As you said, I mean, the the, the plan was thrown uh, thrown out when, when Eric scored. But you know, he did come back on the third offensive possession, and get in there. One thing that I do like about what Coach Desmond says is that it's not locked in in stone either. I mean, if you're on a good rhythm and, and Chandler's on a rhythm, but well, you hate to break that rhythm just because you say. Now, some people will say, well, that's why you make that decision definitive and you make it in advance, because if not, then you, you, you may or may not get him in the game, which I'm fine with that. I mean, if, if you're on a rhythm and, and, and you're going and 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 and, and, and then uh, Ben doesn't get in the game because Chandler's scoring every drive, okay, you know, I'm good with that. You know, uh, there'll be other games where, you know, he may get in and that extra series that he missed in the game he didn't. And so I, I like that Coach Desmo said that, that, you know, the flow of the game is going to dictate some of that. But the plan is is to get him some reps in every game and, and – I think I think that's good. I think both guys have, have earned that opportunity to do that. You know, what, what's tough about the quarterback position, you can play a backup guard, and you can play several receivers and several running backs and several defensive backs and linebackers and defensive linemen. You can even play two kickers. Heck, they play two long snappers. They have a different long snapper for punts than they do for short snaps. But you really don't play two quarterbacks. And so you're either the guy or you're watching. And, uh, you know, to keep people engaged and keep people involved and keep people in it, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, next man up and you got to practice like you're, like you're going to play and you got to be ready and all that stuff. But it's human nature. If you go into Saturday thinking, well, I'm just going to sit here listening to the game and then, and, uh, you know, through a headset getting a play call is not going to get in, then it's going to be disappointing. That's a unique thing that those guys have got to be able to do. And then, uh, you know, and, and Michael, of all people, knows that. You know, he's been in that situation as a player, uh, now, albeit not very often, you know, because he's been the man most of the time. But, uh, you know, to say that, that we're going to get him in, I, I really think that's good to do. And the other part of it is, is don't be don't be held to a timeline of when to get him in. You know, you let, the, let the flow of the game take care of that with you. Yeah, it, it, so w- the way you just described it, was something that I asked, you know, Coach Leger about, uh, the office coordinator and Coach, you know, Coach Desermo about before last week and didn't ask it in those exact words yesterday when I had him on, but did ask, you know, about usage and, and how it plans to go moving forward. But 
before the season, I said, is it, do you feel like it is a, a feel thing, right, where the game dictates it, or do you want to have something sort of mapped out more specific beforehand? And they, they both kind of talked about how it would be the latter. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know, but I also, you know, I also think as a coach, you don't marry yourself to any idea at the beginning of the season. I mean, obviously you're open to changing it. You evolve a little bit. But I, I do think that, you know, number one thing is the win, right? You keep winning. You got the longest win streak, and that, that's always the biggest takeaway. But by nature of that position, it's just – and because it was such a close competition um, and the way they're doing it right now, all of those things, that's – from a fan standpoint, that's going to, I think, probably be – um, the big talking point, maybe throughout the season, Gerald. I mean, is there? I mean, do you see another route where it's just? I've 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 seen this movie before. I've been in this business a while. I feel like it's going to be one of those storylines uh, that's just going to be there, and fans are going to be talking about it throughout the year. Unless one of the two or just takes off, and it, look, it'll be Chandler. Unless Chandler just takes off and starts just doing things that that um, you know with consistency. And, and shows that he is definitely the guy, uh, you know. And, and what what Coach and what Coach Desmo says is what everybody's going to say. You no, know, you you know you you want to have it mapped down. All the reality of it is you don't want to be tied to that, though. Uh, and then that way, you know, because what's going to happen is we're going to come behind. We be media is going to come behind. Well, I thought you said this. You know, but they always want to leave themselves an out to be able to get out. You know, it's but smart. the yeah. game. That's what you should do. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just—that's just—it's uh, not coach speak; it's reality speak. You know, you, and look, you want it. That's that's why you script. That's why you do everything to get plays in, because you don't want to allow field to take over too much. If there are things that you want to see, and you want to, you know, you, you go into every game saying, "Okay, what do we want to come out of this knowing." And then you try and plan yourself to get those answers throughout the game. Well, sometimes you have to put them on paper or you never really get to it because of the field part of things. And that's just, you know, it's just part of managing the game. Uh, with the quarterback situation there, I think that, you know, Chandler is in a position to, to try and separate and continue to separate himself more. Uh, until he does do that, you know, by by making some wild play, you know, dude, to throw to Johnny there, the first touchdown over the middle, ball on time, uh, had some zip. It was a good looking pass game. You know that that was you know fantastic. Uh, you know the missed opportunity on the deep ball to Michael Jefferson later down the right sideline and stuff. That was an opportunity missed. Uh, you know, had that been converted, because I mean that's a home run that uh, wasn't going to be close. Uh, but you know. That, that those kind of plays, when those things start to happen, and I do think they will. I mean, it was the guy's first start, you know. And so I, I think that as those things start to happen and stuff, and Chandler starts making plays and take, really takes control of the team, then I think those questions will stop being asked. But as long as there are not definitive answers, and, and you know, to be honest, as, as media, right now there aren't definitive. You know, in the coach's eyes, there may be, but as media, as fans, you know, we see things that we can, you know, say, okay, well, I, I want to see a little bit more of whatever it is that you want to see, because not every question got answered. Look, all, there's always going to be questions too, Scott. Uh, but but I, I think that right now, that's what you know. I, 
I, I talked to somebody yesterday for a long time, and and and, and the majority of the talk was uh, uh, about you know physicalness inside and offense line and the quarterback. You know, it wasn't about man, we can really run on defense. It wasn't about you know, uh, boy, we got a good-looking receiver core, and we got so many guys involved. And look, some of that I think is good. Some of that, you know, me, I'm not as. I, I still would like to see our leading receiver have more than two balls. You know, I'd like to see somebody with you know six or seven, and it's everybody else with two or three. Uh, but but that's just you know, that's a personal preference. And uh, and it wasn't didn't even bring up Johnny. You know, how many times do you hear, man, the tight end, get the ball to the tight end? Who the quarterback? They, they had, I think there was nine total targets to tight ends um, on yeah. Saturday night. That feels like, you know, half a season's worth <laughs> from years past. Uh, they were, they've always been involved in the game, but from a, a pass catching standpoint, it, it it almost became like a, a a running joke among the fans, you know, and, and Coach Napier when he was here would almost kind of, Wink and nod about it, like yeah, guys, we use the tight ends a little more than that. But sure, yeah, no, we we don't like tight ends. Ha ha, just joking around. Um, but it it almost you know it just it became something that was exaggerated as a joke. But they were um you know they were active and uh, and they were involved in the pa- in the in the in the, the the passing part of um of the pass game as far as catching it goes. And it was uh, yeah Johnny on his birthday too, you know, but. Chandler Fields, a Saints fan, and Johnny Lumpkin, a Falcons fan. That's about as close as you'll see to those two fan bases working together, Gerald. <laughs> yeah. Cajuns first, though. They're Cajuns first. I know. Hey, hey, look, um, it'd be different, Scott, if they weren't good players, but they're really good players at those positions. No, they are. And um, and, and final thing for you with, with Eastern Michigan, coming to Cajun Field Saturday night, 6 o'clock kickoff, um, and NFL Network – uh, I mentioned the, the the promo going on. We'll talk more about that next hour. But uh, what what did it give us a little, you know, having watched game one, looking at the film a little bit, give us, I guess, a, a little teaser for G's keys for this game. Well, and it goes back to the questions coming out of the first game. Eastern Michigan, I think, is a good opponent for the case to be playing. They've got a two-time transfer quarterback, a guy that started out at, Mar- at uh, Missouri left Missouri, ended up at Troy, and left Troy, and now is in Eastern Michigan. Uh, one thing you look at when you see Eastern Michigan, if you're going through their too deep and, and, and going through their starting line, actually it's their starting lineup, they're all graduates and seniors. I mean, they're, they're, they're guys who have been around a while. Uh, it's a program that has struggled in the past but has had some recent success. Uh, they're, they're buying into the uh, – the, the, the military type training, the rusty wit stuff and, and that kind of stuff that, you know, a lot of people tend to like to do. And so they, they, and they like to promote it on social media. So I've watched a little bit of what they do just to get ready for them. But truth be known, Scott, this is a good time for the Cajuns to go and try and get physical with somebody. I think the weather is going to help just because, you know, you're coming from Ypsilanti, Michigan, down to Lafayette, Louisiana in September. And uh, they'll they'll be frisky early, but uh, you know that humidity tends to grab you by the behind a little bit, and especially when that humidity on that field turf and stuff gets in it. And um, and and, and I, I anticipate the Cajuns kind of just being more physical with them. And look, this is going to this is not going to be an easy team to do that because one thing that these guys do have, they've got some girth, they've got some mass, uh, but but they're going to you know. 
when those red jerseys start getting really dark red, that vermilion red from all that sweat and moist and nastiness and all that kind of stuff, then that that's when things are going to get going good. And so I, I, I like that second half physical turned around different than what we had this past week in the second half and just trying to hold on to a win. I think this one will start out a little bit different. I think Eastern will be in it early. But I do anticipate that the Cajuns being more physical and the conditions helping the Cajuns do that and, and the second half of the case. That's I'd like to see it flipped on what happened last week. I'm, I'm okay if Eastern comes out and makes a few plays early. Uh, get Cajuns come back from a little adversity and then come back and just, just, just make it a fight in the second half. And I, I, I hope there's an opportunity to do that. I think there will be. And that's what I'm looking forward to Saturday. Jail Broussard has been our guest. He'll be on the call with Jay Walker Saturday. Cody Juno on the sideline. Pre-game begins at 4 right here on ESPN Lafayette from Learfield. And uh, the Cajuns will look to make it 15 wins in a row and start the season 2-0. They're at home Saturday night. Should be a lot of fun against Eastern Michigan. Um, Gerald, I appreciate you taking the time as always, man. Gerald will be chatting with me each Wednesday during the season. Um I don't, you know, we'll figure out what what to do uh, Wednesday when you're literally in uh, West Virginia getting ready for that Marshall game on a Wednesday night. But it's nice to have uh, nice to have a lot of a lot of Saturday games this year and a lot of good home games and um, another one coming up this Saturday, man. So I look forward to hearing you on the call. And I don't know, I might I might keep a tally on how many times you use the word rascal this Saturday. Okay, you, you, Scott, you know me. I, I have no idea what I say, so. It just okay. comes out. You know, I'm going to do it just so, just so you know. I'll just keep tabs on it. We'll just have an over-under. I'm going to put it at like 10. See what happens. What, 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 what word are you saying? Rascal. The word I, rascal. I, I mean, you don't realize I, that you use the word rascal a lot on Saturday? No, I don't ever remember using that word. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I really, I don't ever remember using that word. All right. All right. I mean, it's it, it, it worked. It worked. I just you know I I heard a lot of, a lot of rascals. Man, it's a good looking rascal right there. And he you know he came out the backside. Oh, and he, yeah. No, I yeah. I, okay. Now it's I, coming I back to you. What context I use it? Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was like you know describing like you know boy, it's a big big boy right there. I mean six two two feet coming off the edge. Man, it's a good looking rascal. Yeah, that, he is. Now, that, they, they've got a couple of them. Yeah, now. that's that was the context. It wasn't like, look okay. at that, look at that rascal. He he stole the ball and ran off. No, it wasn't like you were talking about your grandson. <laughs> no, it was it was very much like in a in a football centric way. I mean, come on, you're calling a football game. I I liked I liked how you tied it into the vernacular. It was good. Okay, now you use some big words, and I'm using rascal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gerald, man, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you're on the road working, but um, thanks again. Be well, and I uh, look forward to hearing you on the call this Saturday night. Always fun, my friend. You be safe. All right, thank you. That is the great Gerald Broussard.